This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Here we go, Las Vegas, at 12 noon at Studio 31 in Summerlin at City National Arena. This is Nighttime at Noon. Hi, everybody. Dan Duva, Mike McKenna with you this afternoon as we talk all things Golden Knights right up until 1 o'clock. And don't forget, later on today, it is, of course, the Golden Knights Insider Show, Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace. And that program runs from 4 until 6. No game today for the Golden Knights, coming off a one nothing loss in Game 1 Sunday afternoon. An overtime setback for the Knights. They'll play Game 2, 7 o'clock tomorrow, before the series shifts to St. Paul, Minnesota, for the contest on Thursday and Saturday. Mike McKenna, good afternoon, and how are you? A fine afternoon to you as well, Dan. I'm doing great. How are you feeling today? Oh, I feel great. Uh, it's been a while since you and I got to do one of these programs together. and Not quite a, as long ago as the photograph that you tweeted out a little while ago. That it was, was vintage. That vintage. was a vi- It wasn't quite that long. What's that, 20? That's uh, the 17. spring of 2017. That photo could very well be like a year to the day. It could. Uh, four years to the day uh, in the mighty salt city of Syracuse when Mike was goaltender there and helping the crunch to the Calder Cup playoffs. We'll, of course, talk about the Golden Knights and the series against Minnesota here throughout the program. We'll touch on the Silver Knights, the Knights' American Hockey League team. Their transition from regular season to postseason is now upon us, and there will be some postseason action in the Pacific Division, the uh, weird AHL configuration this year. A little bit different. Yeah. Yes, So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. And, of course, uh, talking all about this series, we'll – take a look at what's happening around the NHL. We will hear directly from head coach Pete DeBoer coming up in just a little while. Pete spoke to the media just a short time ago. The team is on the ice. They had an optional skate today, and the uh, optional skate began at 11.30 a.m. And as usual, plenty of guys go on a little bit early, and plenty of guys stay on a little bit after. And so that practice is officially 32 minutes old, and there are a handful of bodies still on the ice at City National Arena. We'd look out from our beautiful studio window out to the ice surface and see some guys still hanging out, Uh, but very much an optional skate today, far short of a full complement of players. So we'll have an eye on that, and Pete DeBoer will be speaking. Uh, We'll hear from Pete coming up in our second segment, we expect. So here the latest. Uh, Sometimes, Mike, you, you see the game from the bench or from the ice, and you have one impression in your mind of how the game went. Then you think about it. Then you watch some video. Sometimes it confirms what you saw in real time. Then there are times where you see some stuff on video that gives you a different perspective on how things actually played out. We'll hear Pete's comments on that. How about you? Well, as you're watching the game last night, you just think about the first period and how good the VGK was. And it was overwhelmingly in their favor, but they just couldn't get a puck to drop. You know, and sometimes you can take your perspective of one period and by osmosis, it carries over into the second, third in your mind. Right. You keep thinking, well, the team must be playing this well. They've done all these good things and you almost don't want to admit that the other team's playing well. Well, Minnesota really responded. They came out and played better in the second. They got more chances as it went, and they were able to lock down the front of their net. And for VGK, the game just kind of plateaued, you know? And so I I think that when the team looks back at it 
yeah, maybe it wasn't quite as good as they thought to begin with. When you just look at the surface level things, like shots on goal, uh, very much in their favor. But then you dig deeper and you do find things. You can uncover what you can do better. And you know, Dan, that's really what makes playoffs so fun. It's finding those layers. It's doing the homework. It's digging in against your opponent to find their weaknesses and how you can improve your own team. And that's the big challenge. That's what makes it so rewarding to win in playoffs. And this year, as interesting as ever, because Vegas and Minnesota faced off not three times as they normally would, not four or five times like a normal division opponent, but eight times in the regular season, including twice just last week in St. Paul. Knights had a 5-3 lead, third period, lost 6-5 in regulation in the first one, and then a dramatic overtime victory, 3-2 with Petrangelo getting the game winner. So they they split those two games, and uh, again, out of the eight games that they played overall, 16 points on the line in eight games. Vegas got seven out of a possible 16, which is to say it was pretty darn close. And, and Minnesota does win the season series. Uh, Vegas uh, with seven out of those 16 points, so not quite even. How much does the regular season match up those eight games, the two last week, how much of that is pertinent to this playoff series? It is because you don't, we didn't see anything we didn't expect it last night, mm. right? You saw Minnesota play lockdown in front of their net. We saw the VGK attempt to generate, get some things on the rush, get power play time, get zone time. It was a very predictable game. And the outcome, according to the regular season, unfortunately, was kind of predictable. It was very close. Is Minnesota the... gets the edge in overtime. Right. right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah. think about how good VGK was in OT this year as well, yes, right? Nine and and but it's a different animal in Right, playoffs. this is not three-on-three three for five it. minutes. This is uh, potentially 20-minute increments at five-on-five. Five. Not regular five five. regular season overtime. That's right. And so it was a predictable game in that sense, but you know, you flip the page on playoffs and it's always new. And in a regular, in a regular year, you look at it like, okay, we've played this team a couple of times. We haven't played them eight times. <laughs> That's the different dynamic that you face yeah. that – I think it is different. I think it does play into, if you're on the Golden Knights, we've got to get this game tomorrow. We've got to come out and play well in the first period and get a lead because the Golden Knights record when they lead, when they score first, is as good as anybody in hockey. That's a huge predicator for the team. They've got to get that done. There are occasionally trends. We would just talk about the regular season trends, Vegas, Minnesota. I also am thinking about it is so rare for the Knights to lose at home and especially to have lack of scoring at home. Now, here are the last two home games. They lose 2-1 to one against Colorado, and they lose one nothing against Minnesota. Prior to those two, I mean, you're looking at four regulation home losses all year. Yeah. Four regulation home losses all year, and now here it's they score one goal in the span of two games. They've been an outstanding home club throughout their young history, and then you also think about the last time there was a playoff game in T-Mobile Arena. It was an overtime loss against San Jose. Well, you're treading in terrible territory game here, six, Dan. You know, Fan, so, fans out there are going, don't go there, Dan. Well, well I bring it up because, <laughs> because it's uncommon for Vegas to have prolonged, protracted struggles in overtime against a particular team, scoring goals. So... I guess sort of the thought is maybe they're due <laughs> to break out offensively, <laughs> yeah. to yep. not be uh, overtime losers in a playoff series. Their all-time overtime record in the playoffs is now 4-6. and six. A couple of those wins have come in T-Mobile Arena. It's been a while, but again, the point is that th this is not 
sort of the trend. It's more of an aberration. And I guess the thought is, and I'm wondering your thoughts, perhaps are they due to break out offensively to beat Minnesota? And if it comes to it, perform more to form against uh, a club in overtime yeah and i think you got to look at this big picture too game against colorado three men down shorthanded not the full lineup it wasn't it, it wasn't what they would want to wheel out now they've got as close to a full lineup as they can have uh Pacioretty's still not in he, as far as last night we don't know going forward well that'll be but you have to play with who you have and it's one game okay and and i know that that when there's trends when there's past history, when there's an entire series against Minnesota previous this year, it is still one game. And it was a one-goal game in overtime that a lot of good things happened. You had great goaltending. Marc-Andre Fleury, absolutely excellent. The Carlson-Smith-Marsha-So line, outstanding. The fourth line back together. Ryan Reeves back in the lineup with Carrier and Colasar completely doing their job, right? There's a lot of good stuff. Are they due if they play the way that they did last night? I think so. They still outchanced Minnesota, even though it waned as the game went along. That first period carried the mail for VGK. If they get the lead, it's a different animal in it. I think that there's things that they did that they can improve upon. Power play, it's got to be a little better. They've got to find more looks. If you can combine those, if you combine a little bit better, just an extra 3% 5 on 5, an extra 10% power play, I think you're looking at a better result for the VGK. You're looking at the third-best offense in the NHL's regular season. Right. They don't get shut out very often. And, and look at some of the games against Minnesota previously. Track meets, 5-4 games. You know, there's been Six scoring previously yeah. in them. You know, and we, it's always the talk that, hey, playoffs, goals are hard to come by. It's difficult. Teams block shots, and Minnesota blocked a ton of shots. Well, you know what? The VGK did as well. And you never know. We can't predict games. We always think it's going to be a greasy goal. It's going to be a one-goal game. And... Well, look at, look across the way to the Eastern Conference in those playoff games. 5-4, mm. 4-3, four, four, you just can't predict the future. You've got to be ready to play whatever the game turns into, whether it's a tight-checking game, whether it's a wide-open rush game. You've got to be able to do it all to win in playoffs. Again, the overtime goal was scored just a few minutes into the extra period. It was not one of those marathon overtime games right. where we thought we were going to be there all day. <laughs> it was 3:20 into the extra period. That would have been good for a regular season overtime within the five-minute framework. Eric Sinek gets the goal. Felino and Greenway assist. And you knew it was going to be a goal kind of like that where you get a, a bounce or two. Alex Petrangelo is trying to get the puck out of his own zone just after the Knights killed a penalty. Marcia so's coming out of the box. You're thinking, all right. Vegas has gotten over that, and Alex couldn't get it quite out of the zone, was challenged, maybe the puck waffled over his stick. In any case, Greenway brings the puck toward the left corner. Petrangelo tries to defend and seemed to do the job well enough as Greenway kind of goes down to a knee, still manages to get a pass away. It's in the left circle, and Felino gets a piece of it. That's where the pass was going, It was right? meant for Felino. Right, it was near yeah. the left. It sort of goes <laughs> off of Felino towards the slot, right to the waiting stick of Joel Eric Zinek. His attempted shot is partially blocked by, who else? Alec, Alec Martinez, Martinez. Warrior. Which it uh, kind of goes off of Martinez and changes the trajectory. So who knows what Marc-Andre Fleury thought the puck was going to do versus what it actually did from the deflection. And point is, it took a lot of things to happen exactly the way it did, and you knew it was going to be that kind of a goal when you play 0-0 into overtime. I mean, the Volkswagen showed up and 35 clowns came out of the back seat. <laughs> That's right. that's what that comes yeah. down to. Now, I mean, it all comes from a turnover. 
Right? If Petrangelo moves the puck and it gets out of the right. zone, there's no problem. They won the faceoff, and usually yes. when you kill a penalty, you know, you're looking for that bounce-back shift, the response shift. Yeah, momentum builder is a penalty kill. Yeah. Knight's best penalty kill in the regular season. 100%. And that's, you know, Petrangelo's trying to stretch the zone right. to get things going, to get up the ice, and it's the hard forecheck of Minnesota that gets onto him right away, creates a turnover, and then it comes back the other direction, as you alluded to, all the things that happen beyond that. And, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury had no chance on that goal. The puck's coming low blocker side on the initial shot and it goes off of Martinez's escape perfectly Makes five hole yeah and yeah. there's no stopping that and it's a it's a frustrating frustrating way to end a game for sure and especially because it was self-induced yeah. you know when a team really grinds you down and, the, and they finally score at the end of a shift or a power play it's a little bit easier to take uh and you wonder how that's going to fuel you fuel you going forward you know if you, you look at that and think man if we'd just been that little much better we we could have ended up on the different side does a four to three or a five to four overtime loss feel different than a one nothing overtime loss for sure yeah because there's the frustration involved with not scoring you know and especially for a team that had the third best offense 3.39 goals per game and they had just scored six in san jose exactly. at the end of the regular season yes and you know, you look throughout the lineup and you listen. Like Mark Stone afterwards said, well, we've got to bear down. We've got to find ways. And um, and the hard part to take, Dan, this is eerily similar to what we heard last year At in the, the bubble. End, Western Conference Against final. Vancouver, against Dallas. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of it. Now, of I Of course, they lost this, that clinching game in the conference final in overtime, right? So that's the last right. two playoff games the Knights have had have been overtime losses that's but with simmers unfortunate without being too dreary yeah and with <laughs> and and trying to look at this in a positive way I see it from the light that the players in the room know how to handle this mm. they've faced this previously they've known how to break through when they needed to they did it against Vancouver they were that close against Dallas and I know it's a year away I know there's different faces in the locker room but there's still that certain core that you know how to get through things and I think not being able to score for one game obviously will make them go back to the room and think of what do we need to do? How do we get to the front of the net? And there's answers there. You know, so at some point, you know, Dan, I'm watching the game last night and thinking, somebody needs to get the puck on their stick and crash the net themselves. Not look for a pass, not look for a play to go there. You need to crash the net. Foot Take to the, the floor. Puck. Assertive, and, and if you get a penalty for going to the net hard, you get a penalty, but you've got to assert some dominance and take that ice in front of the net. You cannot let Minnesota have the ice in front of the net. You've got to take the fight to them. And I think that'd be one way for the Golden Knights to be able to change things around is to physically impose presence in front of the net with the puck. Pete DeBoer said going into the game, first of all, it's – a series that won't be won or lost in one game. Like game one does not mean it's over one way or the other, but it does set the table. And in terms of setting the table, we talk about how physical Minnesota can be, and Vegas can play that way too, especially with Ryan Reeves returning, having missed the last 16, had not played since April 11th. Tomas Nosek had missed the last nine, out since April 24th. He also got Alec Martinez back, the NHL leader in shots blocked, He'd missed the last two of the regular season. The one guy they did not get back, Max Pacioretty, who has now missed seven. He uh, did not return for the third period, May 1st in Arizona. But Pacioretty is the one guy that is lingering with an unknown injury and his pending return. There's really not a timetable here. Obviously, the number one goal scorer on the team in the regular season. So when you think about it's natural. The team doesn't score. Who's the guy who scores the most? It's Max Pacioretty. Uh, We'll hear from Pete DeBoer in a little bit. 
was asked about Max's status. We'll see if we can glean anything into what Pete said, speaking with the media just a short time ago. And in that spot, Mike, and we'll talk about what Vegas's lineup and line combinations could look like tomorrow. We'll get to that later in the show. But first, how about Nosek coming back and getting a spot to play with Stevenson and Stone, at least to start the game? Nosek, who had a resurgence offensively when he was on the third line earlier this year before the injury, finished with 18 points in 38 games, but a lot of that was his second half. Um, what did you think of Nosek getting back in the lineup and playing there with Stevenson and Stone? Well, first off, having Nosek back is a great utility knife for Pete DeBoer. You've got somebody who can play center, he can play wing, he can kill penalties. He, he, he plays well in most situations that you want. Not not necessarily a power play guy. He's done it previously. Dan, you and I have seen it firsthand in the American <laughs> Hockey League when yes. he uh, unfortunately uh, won a Calder Cup for the Fortunate for Griffins. him, unfortunate for, for us, for me, and he scored several in the final game. Yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi and Martin yep. Firk, the wingers there with Nosek, Calder Cup final, and the champion for Grand Rapids, 22 points in 19 games yep. for Tomas Nosek a few years back. And this is the Tomas Nosek that a lot of us knew was out there that could produce points, that could play hard minutes in the NHL, and he needed that opportunity. And I think coming back in the lineup, you're looking for that mixture. We've seen Yanmark play with Stevenson and Stone. We've seen Tuck play there, and Tuck did play you know, about the second half of the game last night, right? Gets moved up to that line. But you start to wonder what other options may be out there. I was happy to see Nosek in the lineup 100%. On a personal level, I like him as a centerman a lot. I think that he really does a – he's a puck hound, right? He, he fleshes pucks out of the corners. Um, he's valuable in the face-off circle. Uh, but it's also his first game back. So you're trying to get him into the lineup. You go to the wing. Uh, you know, I think – not sure – there was much going on to start, frankly, and that's where Tuck gets the jump uh, to head back up there. But that first line needs more. It, it's bottom line. They've got to bring it, and the hard part is that you're playing against a team like Minnesota who matches up well. They can play uh, play that hard, heavy game, but when you're at home, you got last change. Mm. So that's especially important for VGK. What did you think about the frequency with which the, a fourth line was matched up with a team's top line? And it kind of went both ways last night. Yeah, and, well, and even to start the game. Yeah, was, exactly. Yes. And, and and we saw this. You know, during the regular season this year, Pete DeBoer went away from starting with the meat grinder, start, went away from starting with Reason Carrier, uh, like he did in the bubble for, I believe, every game last year. If it wasn't every, there was only one or two exceptions. Uh, and, and it goes to trying to get that momentum off the bat and trying to put Minnesota on their heels. Right. And just for and point of reference, you know, Dean Evison fills out his lineup card first. So Pete correct. DeBoer sees that Greenway, Eric Sinek, and Felino mm-hmm. are going to be the starters. And therefore, DeBoer decides, okay, that's what they're going to do. I'm putting out Carrier, Colasar, and Reeves to start. Right. It's not fourth line against fourth line. Like, that is... Off, it's not in the midst of the game. That is, I got a lineup card, and this is what I'm going to do. But that's Minnesota's heaviest line. Yes. Even though that's not their fourth line, Marcus Foligno, heavy as can be. Jordan Greenway, huge body. I don't know if he's 6'4 or 6'8. I'm not sure the size of the Canton, New York native who was a uh, big St. Lawrence ha- skating Saints fan growing up, actually. Is uh, that right? Yeah. You know, he, I have a picture of him when he was about nine years old and myself on the ice <laughs> with the St. Saint, Saint Lawrence Skating Saints in Canton, New York. Listed um, at six foot six and 241 pounds. Heavy, but he's got hands, too. And Felino can grind, and Eric Sinek is such a nice compliment to them. That's their heaviest line, and you come out against them, and, and you know that you have to control the play. You Eric have Sinek to and Felino are both six foot three. Right, and, yeah. and Eric Sinek, to me, is, is such an underrated player for them. You know, he, he scored the goal in overtime, so that's on display. 
but he does everything well, and he complements those two players. He can direct traffic while those two go in hard on that 2-1-2-4 check. They pressure the defense. So Peyton DeBoer coming out with the heaviest of the heavy for the VGK is, again, it's that battle within a battle. You're trying to out-heavy the heavy. You're trying to control the puck. You're trying to get momentum. Uh, and to me, it's, it seemed like an obvious decision, and I liked it because you look how the first period went for Vegas. Very well. Stringing together shifts, and it all came from getting pressure down low. We'll step aside here, and again, we'll be hearing from head coach Pete DeBoer shortly as he spoke with the media just a little while ago. Optional practice for the Knights today. Not too many guys were out there among the defensemen. We saw Nick Higgs, Theodore, Nick Holden, Dylan Coglin. Among forwards saw Patrick Brown and Keegan Colasar, William Carlson. Marc-Andre Fleury did not participate. Robin Leonard did after Marc-Andre got the start. Can you believe it? 147 career playoff games. And uh, that's fifth most mm. in NHL mm. history. 15 consecutive postseason appearances and NHL record. And it goes even further back for Marc-Andre Fleury, the days that he spent in junior hockey. He's yeah. just been a playoff goaltender everywhere he's been. Yeah. And that streak goes back to the 06-07 season. Yeah. And, Dan, let's – Let's extrapolate this a little bit, okay? There's a lot of people in in sports world that will always take a goaltender and try to say, well, he was on a good team, okay? He's in Pittsburgh, <laughs> great team. He's in Vegas, great team. Why are they great teams? Because they have people like Marc-Andre Fleury. Because they have him in the locker room galvanizing the entire team and playing for him and wanting to do well. And, and people forget that goaltenders, your job isn't just to stop the puck. It's to inspire your team. Indeed. And he's one of the best in the world at it. 29 saves, but the overtime loss for Fleury. Cam Talbot, the shutout, 42 saves. Believe it or not, Cam Talbot, whose postseason career is not especially notable, but he does have now five, count them, five playoff shutouts Mm -hmm. in his 26 games. Think about that. He's won 13, lost 11, but five of those 13 wins are shutouts. We'll talk more goaltending. We've got a goaltender here in the studio. I know, so, you know a little bit about that's that gonna, That's going to come up here as the program bit. rolls along. We are going to hear from <laughs> Pete DeBoer here in just a few moments. First, we want to tell you that you can stop by and check out City National Arena, where we broadcast to you today. It's, of course, in downtown Summerlin. You can bring the whole family here and learn to skate like the pros. It's the official practice facility of the Golden Knights. And for hours in programming, you can check out citynationalarena.com. Dan Duva here with Mike McKenna. We'll be right back. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Welcome back. It's Nighttime at Noon, 1225 Pacific Time. Dan Duva, Mike McKenna from Studio 31 at City National Arena. Knights and Wild already one game into the first round series. Stanley Cup playoffs back underway. And overtime games, three of the first four are going to extra time, and Vegas among them. Unfortunately for Vegas, though, it was a loss. one nothing was the score yesterday afternoon. Joel Eriksson-Eck from Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway. That was just a few minutes into the overtime period. Flurry with 29 saves in the overtime loss. Talbot, 42 saves in the shutout. We were talking about it a moment ago, Mike. I mean, Cam Talbot, down the stretch of the regular season, was not at his best. 2-2-2. Two, two, and two in his last six games and a couple were ugly now prior to that he had a five-game winning streak he's in his first playoff games for minnesota 
a little bit with his three previous clubs. This is his first playoff game with the Wild. What did you see from Cam Talbot? I thought he was excellent, and and I don't think that Cam Talbot had to be absolute A form last night to get that shutout. I felt like he had to be A, not A plus A. And I mean that because the Golden Knights didn't get that much from inside. They didn't have any rebound opportunities. Golden Knights didn't score a rebound goal against Minnesota this year. Mm. Not one. Mm. Not one. Not one screenshot either. So, wow. you know, these are the types of underlying things that need to happen to score goals. Well, they boxed out really well in front of Talbot. They cleaned up his rebounds for him, but he also helped himself. And I think to the first period, Will Carlson has a break all alone. It's about midway through, and it's down the wing. Carlson's on his proper hand, and Talbot makes a huge save, aggressive. He's a little bit out of his crease. He knows Carlson doesn't have a passing option. He shifts into it, and he covers that puck. There's no rebound, and when you make a big save like that and cover it, it's an exclamation point for a goaltender that resonates through your bench. They knew their goaltender was on. They could trust him to make the first save at that point. And, you know, for Will Carlson in those moments, it's he's he's had that scoring touch previously. It's it's a low shot. It's down it's like you almost want to say, Come on, man, put it under the bar. Let it fly, you know? Uh and, and I think that that save really went a long way towards both teams. You know, I, I think it put a little bit of fear in, in the Golden Knights that this guy's on his game. We're gonna have to do the best we can and then from Minnesota's standpoint, they knew he would be there, and I thought he was really strong throughout. His first period was the best. That's when he faced the most. He had six high-danger chances in the first period. Stopped all shots. of them. Yeah. And, uh, uh, nine shots, not 19. Yep. Yeah, nine shots. But, again, the percentage of high-danger chances, very high in the first period. Mm-hmm. He was tidy. And then as the game went on, he, he just played along with his team. He controlled well from there. Two shutouts in the regular season for Tal. It was eight and five, two shutouts, which is fine. Like that's that's mm-hmm. decent for a in a, guy. in a short in a condensed he season. He played thirty three games last year in the playoffs for Calgary. Now Calgary, you know, didn't have a terribly long playoff run. He had the round robin stuff and all that, so it's a little bit odd. But he did start ten games for the Flames. Was five and four. Two of the five wins were shutouts. Yep. Now think about that. His last six wins in the playoffs, three out of the six are shutouts. Now Cam Talbot's been around I mean, you know he's 33 years old now turned 34 in july some guys kick it into a certain gear when it's really on the line and it now again you just broke down all the reasons why talbot wasn't tested as hard as you might think given the 42 shots on goal for vegas but there's that psychological part of it too mike because cam talbot's now thinking i just got a shutout i just put up 42 saves and i got us a win on the road to start a playoff series. There's a four-letter word to describe this. Yes. Swag. Swag! <laughs> you a... were thinking a different four-letter word, Dan. I know it. But that, I may or that may not have twisted mind of yours. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it is. Like, when Swag. You, he, yeah. Talbot knows he can perform in the playoffs. And, Dan, there's a, there's a switch to flip with this when it comes to goaltending that you've got to trust yourself and you've got to know that you can do it. And I take my own career. It was a long time. It might have been a decade into my career before I knew that I could play playoffs. I had a really mm-hmm. good series that even though our team lost in the first round, and it was against the Hershey Bears years ago, but I walked out of that series going, I can do this. I know I can do this. And it almost took a decade into my career, not unlike Cam Talbot. And after that, things went, well, they went pretty well for me. We never got over, never got the prize. He got we'll to the Calder that. Cup final two years in a row. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, but I, 
knew that I'd played my best hockey then, and that's what Talbot has now as well. Last season in Calgary, Jeff Ward did some weird things. He played Riddick out of nowhere one game, brought him in cold off of a bench, and just it, it wasn't conducive to Talbot really running it, and the team wasn't as good, I don't think, as Minnesota. I think they have a really good combination of a goaltender who can make the first save, and then they have a team that will box out and allow him to have the confidence to make it clean and not face secondary opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty dangerous combo because Talbot is a, is a structurally sound goaltender. He's had good coaching. He buys into it. His post play has been really, really good. And he, he does a good job of staying in the middle of his crease, protecting the middle of the net. And, you know, if you're going to beat a goalie like that, yes, you need to move the puck laterally. Yes, you need to get rebounds, but you got to earn them. A one-time teammate of Jonathan Marcheseau with the Hartford Wolfpack or Whale or whatever they were back I was then. I was a three-day teammate of his, I think. Oh, is that With right? the Philadelphia Flyers. He got traded to Cam last Talbot. Year? My last year of my career, Cam yeah. Talbot gets traded to the Flyers. Yeah. Shows up at the rink, uh, which promptly sent me back down to uh, the American League, I believe. But uh. we bonded really well in the ride I gave <laughs> him from days. the Wells Fargo Center to the hotel in New Jersey. Uh. Uh, <laughs> we really got to know one another. Great. But, uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, we're going to hear from Pete <laughs> DeBoer in just a moment. Last thing that if you want to address this now or we can get to it after the break, um, Marc-Andre Fleury got the start, and clearly he's a top three goalie in the NHL this year. Fleury and Leonard win the Jennings, fewest goals allowed in the regular season. They had alternated starts going back to March 27th, maybe a reset in that it's start of the playoffs, regular season is over. Is the approach from Pete DeBoer to restart the rotation, or is Fleury the guy until something changes? We'll stew on that. We'll stew on that. We'll hear Mike's thoughts on how the Knights have I love handled stew, the- Dan. <laughs> I really do. Very tasty. Yep. Well, we'll step aside. When we come back, there is more nighttime at noon. Pete DeBoer, we'll hear from him. The head coach spoke with the media just a little while ago. We'll hear from Pete DeBoer. We can also hear from Bill and Carol Foley, who created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wine, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding travel destinations. And as a member of their society, you'll have access to an entire portfolio of properties all around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life just like Stu. You can join for free today visiting foleyfoodandwinesociety.com for more information. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Puck comes out of the Minnesota zone. They're onside. Here's a right wing shot. Glove save! Flurry reaching, splitting, and snaring the right wing shot. Wow. Save of the day for Mark Andre. Live from City National Arena, this is nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 12.36 Pacific time. Dan Duva, Mike McKenna, nighttime at noon. One of several. Notable saves from Marc-Andre Fleury in the overtime loss yesterday. 1-0 win from Minnesota and 1-0 series lead in the first round. Dan, that call was so good, I wanted to bring it out of break so that I could pump you up on it. That was awesome. <laughs> and it's, it, Aren't we spoiled by that? Oh, I mean, I, listen, it is, it is fun to talk about sports for a living, I, I must confess. It's even better when you get to talk about a, a team that's very good an individual and a player who is among the very best in the history of the sport on a night in and night out basis. Incredible. You know, Dan, I played with a lot of people. You're aware of that. Is that so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and people that may not know out there, uh, it might be the record, but mm. like 
I still talk an awful lot with people in and out of the game, as you'd imagine. And last night, as this game was going along, I've got NHL goalies, American League goalies, college goalies, old goalies, all texting going, are you watching this with Flower? Yeah. And and that's but yes yeah <laughs> I am and and again Talbot forty two shot shutout everybody right. dovetailed it with man Talbot's been great too but yeah Mark Andre is the better goal and the, and it's not just the glove saves it's just how it, just the whole the whole game the whole body of work last night and I, I I marvel at what he does compared to a lot of the younger goalies today because Mark Andre still has that older school mentality to his game that I grew up with as well that. You know, his eyes are attached to pucks. He's so reactionary. His body's upright. Great goalie posture. He's He can use his hands in a way that a lot of goalies can't any longer yeah. today. He's so active with it. And, I mean, the save on Hartman in the first period, wide open to keep it. Uh, was, was it first or second? I, 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 it was the, it it was the second. Second period. Yep. I take yeah, that the back. I knew, I, yep. I knew you would have that in your notes, Dan. I write because these things down. Right? You are the greatest at that. Well, I don't but, remember this stuff. I have to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> And just the way Mark Andre can go from a game where he doesn't see a lot of action at times and turn it on immediately. That's why he's successful and why he's had it for so long. Not everyone can do that. Yeah. You know, you start to feel uncomfortable in the net. You're not seeing shots. And when you have that experience level, you've been through so much. What is it? What hasn't he been through? Well, there's not a thing. Right. There's not a thing. Exactly. And that lets you play free. You don't have anything to worry about. You can just go out there and enjoy it, play with a smile on your face. Those, I mean, the glove saves were incredible. He had the leather lobster going last yeah. night. And I'll tell you, <sighs> we can go through all these numbers, and I think that's what people will latch on to. There's a thing called the East Coast bias, and it's basically the result of time zones. Vegas plays most of its games starting at 10 o'clock Eastern time, meaning that the, the media – centers of North America are on Eastern time, New York, Toronto, of course, in the hockey world, especially, and especially this year, because it's regionalized. The the reporters, the media types are looking mostly at the division at their doorstep. So the folks in Canada are watching all the Canadian games and on and on. My point in all this is everybody sees Fleury is moving up, you know, ties, you know, uh, goes ahead of Wah in career shutouts. He goes uh, into the top three and wins. I could go down the list of all these numbers, so that's going to make some headlines. But I think what happened yesterday was that it was a noon game. There was no other hockey game going on. Everybody in hockey was watching that game, regardless of time zone. And it was almost like a reminder, Mark is playing some of the best hockey of his career. He's not just going up the leaderboards for the heck of it and longevity. He's playing some of the best hockey you've ever seen from this guy. And and my sense of it was, it's a shame that people don't watch it more regularly. I feel, and I'm sure you do as well, spoiled. Because we do watch every second of every game. And it's a shame that more people don't see what they did see. I'm glad that they did see it yesterday. Uh, But you you see what I'm saying here. I think that there's plenty of love for Marc-Andre Fleury. Don't get me wrong. But when you get to watch a performance, rather than just look at a box score or a highlight package, when you watch a full game, you appreciate it even more. And a lot of this, by the way, could apply to Mark Stone. I was going to mention, you took the words out of my mouth. He leads the team in scoring, yep. but you don't fully appreciate Mark Stone. I mean, you've played against him, right? I played with him. Played with him, right? Of Ottawa, course. You know, yeah. Uh, 
there, there's something that you get from a player by watching a full, not the highlight package, not a game story, no disrespect to all the folks who do that. But when you watch a full game, that's when you more fully appreciate uh, the people like Marc-Andre Fleury and yep. Mark Stone, the, clearly the leaders of this group. And what I've found now being in media is that a lot of people watch box scores. Yeah. You need the eye test. You have to watch hockey yeah. to understand who is doing their job. And Mark Stone, you don't if you don't watch the game and yeah. if you don't keep an eye on him, you don't realize how good he is at little things right. that make the team that good. And, and Mark Andre Fleury's the same. Like it, people forget that this is a guy who what he's done. They know what he's done, but they they don't watch and see how unique his game is in yeah. today's in today's world and that you know, I've heard Mark Andre say I I don't know how many years I have left. And I'm watching him going, you have as many years oh as gosh. you want to play because you are one, in, you're in incredible shape. Two, you're playing lights out. How late, How long do you want to go? Yeah. You know, He's going to get to ride off into the sunset however he wants to. I mean, clearly the formula with Vegas, Leonard having signed that five-year yeah. deal going into this season. Fleury's got the, another year left. But how this all plays out, we'll see But in it's time. been a massive strength it, for the it, team. It, it, exactly Maybe this right. is the new reality. And, and they're figuring it out. Maybe this wasn't exactly the design a year or two ago. But here it is, and it's working out. And I'll just throw one more thing in with the numbers. We talk about, you know, saves. Okay, well, not all saves are the same, of course. There were, this is unbelievable, uh, officially in the uh, the hits department yesterday, 71 <laughs> for Minnesota and 57 for Vegas. So I don't know if somebody's finger got stuck on the hit button. Um, I know your dad is a long-time yeah, official Yeah, we can go into scorer. that one. Yeah, they... uh, I don't know if your dad had any comments, but those are absurd numbers that, I mean, that set a franchise record for Minnesota. Uh, I'm, there was a lot of hitting. Well, but those you, numbers are just uh, absurd. I, I'm, well, I, yeah, they are 100. <laughs> percent And it's so it can. My point is that the numbers don't tell the the whole story. They can uh, be misleading. Bottom line is that Minnesota got the message coming into this game yeah. too. Both yeah. teams mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. and they knew they had to play heavy and play hard. And and hits is such a, it's a strange barometer a lot of the times because you'll get the one side of the world maybe more analytic oriented that'll say, well, it means you're chasing the puck. Right, you know, you're 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 following the other team. You don't have it, you so you have, have to puck. you have to hit to create separation and get it. I didn't see that in this game. I saw two teams that were determined to beat each other into the mm-hmm. ground. Yes. that's why the hit totals are up. Whether it's seventy-one to fifty-seven, like, okay, there's not a huge like delta the there, right? Yeah, yeah you know, like seventies. There's there's not a huge delta there. Uh, yeah. between the two clubs mm. when you factored in. Right. It just made it entertaining. That's mean, true. And that's yeah. why a 0-0 zero, zero game, Dan, I I don't need an 8-7 game to be entertained. The no. drama and the suspense oh, yeah. and the intrigue of a 0-0 zero, zero game going to overtime, who's going to score the great goaltending? Uh, I, that's what I love about the game, the drama and the suspense of it. Let's hear from head coach Pete DeBoer speaking about his impressions of the game last night in cut one. Well, I think our group's been been real good at self-evaluation and uh, and resp- response. I think, uh, you know, that's one of the strengths of our group. They're an honest group. And uh, I think when we look at that game, um, we could have won, but we didn't play in, in my mind. And, and I think uh, in theirs, when they, they reevaluate it, uh, we didn't play well enough for long enough to, to make sure we won that game. So, um, you know. We've got to be better tomorrow night. Pete would go on to say that we didn't get robbed. This is not a game where they played off the charts and they just didn't score. They said they 
could be better. Uh, they played well enough to win. They just didn't play well enough or long enough. What did you hear from Pete there in that clip? Well, I, I heard res- retrospective, obviously, that it's acknowledgement of how good the team has been all season long at bouncing back and being resilient and finding new and better ways to do things. And I think you can take some strength in this of how, think of how the season was constructed in terms of the series of games, two, three, four against the same teams. And for the VGK to be able to always come back strong against the same club, right? Minnesota is the only one they struggled with that. The other teams in this, in, in the division, they were always good in the next night. And I, I think there's a certain trust factor there that DeBoer knows the players themselves can look inward and know how to get out of a funk if they don't have it. Now, 0-0 game, what's that going to be? I don't know. But I, I think you look at the overall aspect of it that, hey, we were good. We know we were good. They did outchance Minnesota. They did play well. The Golden Knights were good last night. But Minnesota was too. And that's the point of playoff hockey. You're going to have to go through teams that can play. You're not facing Anaheim on a Tuesday. Right. This is a team that's built to play strong. And and this, frankly, this was a reason why going into playoffs, you wanted to have the top seed to place to play against a team like St. Louis has been all over the place this year. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's been consistent. So I, I think definitely from Pete's aspect, he's acknowledging that, hey, Minnesota's playing well. We played well. We just have to find that little bit more. The Knights had scored six goals in San Jose against a rookie goaltender. They did not score at all against Cam Talbot. Here's Pete's comments about trying to find some offense going into game two. I think come playoff time, you you need scoring. Um, you need scoring regardless of where it comes from, whether it's a power play goal, a depth goal. A lot of times it's a depth goal. You know, whether whether you call Eck and Felino and Greenway their number one line, I don't, I don't think you would. But, you know, that's not, in my mind, that's not, their number one line that scored last night but they're set up with a lot of depth and you know the idea uh, about keeping Tucky um, on our third line was be in order in order to keep some of that matchup depth but with patch out it's tough it's tough not to uh, not to to uh, to find uh, guys to put you know, in that number one hole uh, that complements Stevie and Stoney. So I thought Nose did a did a good job last night. Um, you know, but it was a lot to ask uh, for where he was coming from, and uh, we went back to Tucky. And you know, I think uh, we'll look at what other options come from. But regardless of of who plays with who, uh, we've got to get scoring, uh, and you know, we've got to get depth scoring. And, and we've got to be dangerous throughout our lineup. And, and I think that's the strength of our team. So we've got to find those combinations. Pete DeBoer talking earlier today with the media about trying to find offense. He touches Mike on the line combinations. They change during the game. Might we see something different come tomorrow in game two? We'll explore some possibilities when we come back. First, we'd like to tell you about VGK Worldwide. You can join other Golden Knight fans around the world with VGK Worldwide, the official global fan club of the Vegas Golden Knights. Become a premium member by visiting this website, vgkworldwide.com. That's vgkworldwide.com, and purchase your kit today. Premium members get access to an exclusive slew of merchandise, exciting contests, and specialized content. Don't miss out on this opportunity and be part of Painting the Globe Gold. Dan Duva here with Mike McKenna. We'll be right back. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. A chance at the other end. Glove save. Flurry. 
Got a piece with the glove and deflects it over the cage on the try from Ryan Hartman. Play is in front of the Vegas bench now. Knights changing. Marcia so couldn't grab the puck. Right wing shot. Glove save Flurry. Sliding to his left. We're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. More sounds from game one, a 1-0 loss in overtime for Vegas against the Minnesota Wild. Yesterday afternoon at T-Mobile Arena, Marc-Andre Fleury was great. Just lone blemish that going overtime from Joel Eriksson-Eck, Marcus Foligno, and Jordan Greenway credited with assists. Cam Talbot, 42 save shutout. But Dan Duva and Mike McKenna here as we wrap things up on nighttime at noon. Game two, of course, tomorrow, 7 o'clock Pacific time at T-Mobile Arena. We'll have the play-by-play on the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. Our friends on AT&T Sportsnet are back to handle that broadcast on the TV side. Mike, we were talking before the break, line combinations. Nosek comes back, starts the game top line with Stevenson and Stone. Reeves comes back. Familiar spot, thir- uh, fourth line right wing with Colasar and Carrier. Adjustments within the game. What did you see there? And then we can try to figure out what they might do tomorrow. Well, I, I, I liked Tuck going back to the first to bring the speed element with with uh, Stone and Stevenson. Um, I, I think you can't touch that fourth. You look at Carrier, Reeves, and Colasar together. That's been excellent. Um, I do like Nick Waugh there at times, though, uh, playing center between them. It's an option as well. But I just look at the first line and, and where that's at right now. Nosek comes in. Pete DeBoer said he played admirably, but yeah, he's coming back from not being in the lineup, and Alex Petrangelo talked about this earlier this week, that the, the amount of time you're out almost takes feels like it takes that many games to get back into it, you know, and, and I feel like that may have been an aspect there, and I tell you what, Dan, what it comes down to, I've got one option in my mind, and, I, and this is spaghetti against the wall. Okay. But man, I'd love to see number 81 go with Stone and Stevenson. Think so? I'd love to see it. At least it's just an experiment. Give it a couple couple of shifts. See yeah. what happens. You yeah. know, I just I, that line though between Marcia So Smith and Carlson has been so good and so consistent all year long that you don't want to break that up. Right? There's a hesitation. Yeah. But even last year, Carlson went between Pacioretty and Stone. So there, there's a willingness there. I think that maybe if it comes down to it, we see it. Um, but I just like to, from my own personal perspective, I'd like to see how that works. I'm not saying that adding Nozick and Reeves was by any stretch the wrong thing to do. Uh, I don't want this to sound like they gummed up the works, but they have been playing with fewer than normal skaters for a while. And as a result, they've double shifted guys. So you've had Tuck take a shift with uh, a, another line, the fourth line. You've had Smith take another shift. I mean, Patch Reddy, when he was healthy, would take an extra shift. And that... I like they did so well when guys were double shifting and just that psychological impact of playing with different guys thinking now they've got a full lineup and it's almost like they don't know what to do with all these players. No. <laughs> so my thought was to go back to when they were healthy. No sick on the third line. I like him there. No sick with Tuck and Yanmark. That yep. seemed to be the best that, I that like group that has mix looked. Too. And and so then the question is who do you put with Stevenson and Stone? Is it Nick Wah? Is it Keegan Colasar? Is it William Carrier? Is it Ryan Reeves? Those are the options if you keep the second and third lines as is. Or, or, or do you double shift somebody? And that's my point. They've been double shifting Tuck, so maybe Tuck plays on the first line and the third line. Maybe Smith takes a shift on the first line and the second line. Just a thought. Just a thought. How big is your engine? And you have to think about this when it yeah. comes to playoffs, too. And, and you start playing 60 minutes, 65, right. 70. And that's the thing. that, that Those guys, Tuck in particular, his minutes was below what mm-hmm. he has been playing. It was just under 17 minutes. 
and Pete has talked about having used Ilya Kovalchuk with the Devils, <laughs> a guy who can just eat up minutes. I'm he not played, saying Alex I, when Tuck I played is, with Kovalchuk, he played the whole power play. Yeah, uh, he just go for a full but, two minutes. But, but Tuck at age 25 now, just had a birthday. Uh, that is that's big for uh, for him. But let me posit this, that the greatest strength of the VGK, when you talk to other teams, they always say that they attack in waves, line after line after line. And when you're double shifting somebody, you can't do that as well. You simply can't. You can't sustain that same level of intensity when you're double shifting someone. You need to have four lines going. And that's where they've got to find the right combinations heading into game two. Of course, uh, no Max Patch ready for the game yesterday. We don't know if he might be available for the game tomorrow. He is the one player not available right now. Martinez did return. Um, Reeves and Nosek did return. Even Patrick Brown, who had been injured mm -hmm. earlier this year, back and taking part in practice. So, again, it's game two tomorrow, 7 o'clock for the Knights and the Wild. See if Vegas can even up the season of uh, the uh, series at one game apiece. So thank yous to hand out, of course, Dakota Miller here in the studio. Thanks to Jared Justice pushing all the right bat, uh, buttons on the other side of the glass. Mike McKenna, this was fun. It's always fun, isn't it, Dan? Indeed. For Mike McKenna, <laughs> I'm Dan Dumas. For the Sicilian soundbite. Saying so long from City National Arena and good day.